Welcome to another episode. I am very excited to have this guest on today. It's a big pleasure to have you, Travis, on the show today. Again, for some of you who are not familiar with this man's face, I mean, you should. But if you're not, this is Travis Watts. He's a full-time passive investor. He has been investing in real estate since 2009 in multifamily, single-family, and vacation rentals. Travis also is the director of investor relations at Ashcroft Capital. Travis have invested in over 27 passive syndications between 14 different firms. He has now dedicated his time to educate others in the world of investing and has made his mission to share passive investment strategies in order to help others achieve and maintain wealth in real estate. So fantastic. I love that. You know, can't wait to dig in on all these questions. But first of all, really appreciate you, you know, staying here and tuning in to have this phenomenal interview. So I appreciate Travis. Ah, oh, well, thanks so much for having me. I, that's quite the intro. Thanks. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm ho I hope you enjoyed it. That's quite a bio. You know, it's, it's not me. It's just a bio. That's what it did. You know? so, again, you can go and check it out, the ashcroftcapital.com, you know, for, for uh, more information about what Travis does and, uh, you know, his firm and the company. They're, they're doing super well. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just very excited to have you on. So, First of all, maybe we can just jump in into your background and maybe you can tell people um, how you were able to leave your W-2 job and pursue full-time investing. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share that. So as you pointed out, I got started in 2009. Great time to get started in real estate. Um, I knew I wanted to be in real estate before the recession had happened. I was just in college at that time and just not in a position to really start with it. So I'd saved a lot of money, been working since I was 15, always been a very frugal saver. My parents instilled that in me. Um, so I had a little bit of pile of money, uh, not a ton, but I had saved and saved and saved. The recession happened. And in 2009, something unique kind of came up, which was the government was giving out $8,000 tax credits to those buying their first homes. So as much as I knew I wanted to get into real estate, that just kind of was the last straw that, that made me pull the trigger on that. So I just ended up buying a, a small condo out in Colorado. It's a uh, two bed, one bath, and uh, ended up furnishing that, getting that tax credit, using everything I saved to purchase it. And then I started with house hacking, actually, which is just I rented out that spare bedroom in the house to a roommate because I was single and I didn't have any pets or kids and it just, it worked for me. Um, after that, I, I kind of realized that there's a lot of power to passive income, right? I mean, getting that, that check every month was almost paying my entire mortgage and I wasn't having to do anything, just kind of deal with having a roommate. So that was really expanding my mind. I read a few extra books and I ended up turning that into a full-time rental later and I moved out of it. And I just kind of, was doing a rinse and repeat process for a while, just buying a home, living in it, renting spare bedrooms, and then turning it later into a full-time rental. So I was doing all the single family stuff as many of your listeners probably start with. Um, that was my whole world of, you know, someone said, you know, real estate investor in 2009, I could only comprehend that that would mean a single family home uh, in your own neighborhood. I didn't know anything else. And if you had told me about syndications or apartment investing or anything like that, I would have just assumed that was for, you know, billionaires or something, you know, it wasn't in my world. Uh, so it wasn't until later that, you know, I started scaling the single family business of fix and flips, 
trips and vacation rentals and house hacking and all that, that I got way too active. It took way too much of my time commitment. And I started to realize that as much as I had the ambition to scale up to 50 or 100 single family homes, I was never going to get there. Uh, even with property management companies overseeing them, it was still a very active business after you get so many properties. So kind of had to go back to the drawing board and figure out how I could be uh, passive in the approach. I absolutely love real estate for every reason. And, um, you know, and I didn't want to put my money back into the stock market again. So uh, basically, oh, and by the way, I should point out during all this time of being active with single family, I was working in oil field jobs. So I was working a hundred hour work weeks away from home, outside in the cold. It was just a, a very tough time <laughs> in my life. It was certainly the hustle and certainly the grind. And um, I just wasn't able to take on all that, that side hustle. So instead, what I did is around 2015, I decided to sell everything. I mean, literally everything, the house that I was in, all of my single family portfolio, everything. And before I did that, <laughs> I ran the numbers on just an Excel sheet to figure out kind of a ballpark number of how much equity I would have. And what I did is I said, okay, if I took all that equity and I put 100% of it into passive syndications, which is partnering with a bunch of other folks to buy larger assets like an apartment complex, how much cash flow would that give me? So I, I really went to the cash flow focus rather than the capital gains and appreciation focus. And uh, I realized that I could leave my W-2 job, which I didn't like. I didn't like working in the oil field. It was just a paycheck kind of thing. Um, so that's exactly what I did, you know, as I started investing in more and more syndications, the passive income grew to the point where I now had the freedom and the flexibility to say, I don't want to do this job anymore. I'm going to pursue work that's more meaningful to me. And I think that's the whole point behind financial independence, in my opinion, is just having that freedom to choose what you want to do with your time. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more on that. You know, and it's a it's a great story. I love it. You know, the story, it's, it doesn't end in here. I mean, it continues. The journey continues. So having 24-7 passive syndications, I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Like a lot. So you've been passively investing since then, since you sold it. You, you sold it as a portfolio, all, all, all the houses that you had, yeah? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that big shift came around 2015 to 2016. It was it was during that year that I was liquidating and then reallocating towards syndications. And since then, you've been passive in all the deals. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. a little over yeah 27 deals uh, as a limited partner. I have no intention of doing you know my own deals or being a sponsor, a general partner. I love the flexibility and the freedom that yeah. being passive can bring. And that's just a personal choice, but you know, everyone's different. Some people like a little of both and some people like to be hands-on and have full control. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm okay with leveraging a, another team's experience and connections and just yes. kind of piggybacking off of their success. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, can, I, like, I cannot agree more because every time I'm having somebody like yourself who is active or passive in syndication business, more, more, more or less they're more active than passive. Like, you know, I tell to the audience who is listening, like, and, you know, there's a lot of people looking to get involved into multifamily specifically. Like, you saw, like, all these people, best ever conference. There was a lot of new people, new faces, right? So it's, yeah. it's a, like, it's a popular space now. And I see because it's easier to scale. I mean, 
you know, and there's more income cash flow that it will produce than a single family homes. And that's why we moved to that direction. But you don't have to be active. Like if you want to, if you if that's what you want to do, that's perfectly fine, as you said. But I will, I'm, I'm the same. I'm like, you know, we were talking with wife and we were like, we, we are not, act, you know, investing in any of the deals currently, but because we were looking to, you know, expand the business, you know, mm-hmm. until that level where we can invest. But we said, we're going to be passive all the time. Because again, yeah. it, it, like we, we don't have to handle all the headaches, put the team together, you know, like there's a lot of moving pieces, you know, in syndication business. So yeah, like there certainly are. And learn everything from scratch and like it takes time and we we're just thinking how to you know scale our business not even thinking how to start another business so yeah. passive is definitely a great way you know in my opinion i don't know what you guys think maybe you can leave a comment uh with, with your opinion yeah so, absolutely yep and, and i like to i'll just point one thing out right there uh like i said before everybody's different some people like kind of a hybrid mix and i always use the example of my dad my dad's fully retired well he has eight single family homes that he self-manages and he's okay with doing that but he also recognizes if he were to get nine or ten or eleven or twelve which he could do financially but that would end up turning into a job for him and he doesn't want to be any more active than what he currently has to be with eight rentals. So he started the syndication side after eight. So he's kind of a 50-50, you know, maybe eight syndications, eight self-managed. So uh, for him, that's the right ratio. But at the end of the day, if it's just a small diversification piece, if nothing else, to maybe the stock market, maybe you don't want 100% of your IRA in the S&P or something like that. So I think there's there's usually a, a place for a syndication in a lot of people's portfolios. Mm-hmm. I love that you gave an example of your dad's, you know, dad's example, because again, you know, probably he just don't want to live up from a passive income because he still wants to do something. And that's, yeah. you know, eight properties just gives him something to go and do on a day to day basis. So like mm-hmm. I do understand. So, you know, what, what one piece of advice would you give for people who are listening right now? Maybe they're young, old, doesn't matter. It's always it's a good time to start something. Uh, particularly when it comes to real estate, what will be your one piece of advice for those people who are looking to get involved into the business? I'd say before you even dive in, something I wish I really would have done is do a little more self-reflection and a little bit of self-education and kind of figure out what my goals really were back then, you know, and then why. You know, I hear this all the time, like someone will tell me, I want to have 10000 a month passive income. I say, okay, well, that's a great goal. Uh, why? Why 10,000? Well, I don't know. (laughs) What do you, why 10? Why not nine? Why not eight? Why not 15? Like it it doesn't make any sense to to set a goal arbitrarily like that. So, you know, if it is, (laughs) it is a crazy number, but I hear it all the time. No, it's not crazy. It's lazy. It's lazy. Oh, a lazy number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well that too, but (laughs) yeah. So, so just kind of defining like, like I had to do a lot of self-reflection to realize that when I was doing fix and flips and vacation rentals and all that kind of stuff, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't very good at it. And I had, that took like some really, some looking in the mirror and some self-reflection to realize that, you know what, I'm doing all this work and all this effort. I'm not doing it very well. It's taking a lot of my time. It's stressing me out. And at the end of the day, I could get those same returns doing something passive, completely hands-off, leveraging someone else's expertise. And, and that was like a big light bulb went on in my head. And it was, it just made a ton of sense. And so, but I couldn't have gotten there without self-reflecting. And so th- my approach of getting started in real estate probably wasn't the right approach for me. 
uh, it helped build some equity. But at the end of the day, I wanted to be a passive income investor. And I was certainly taking the wrong path toward that. Yeah, well, you, you probably probably wouldn't invest it into you probably, you know, would anyway, but probably it took you a little bit longer time because I don't know how much you were making in the oil fields. But you know, like real estate, you know, buying all these houses gave you, you know, some equity that you, that you can, you know, pour in into this, you know, passive investing. So, you know, yeah, yeah I, I see, you know, that because for some of the people, again, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, making you know, half a million a year, 200,000 a year, maybe, you know, it's doable for you to go and invest straight away. But if you're like yeah. looking to start something to, you know, to put that equity together to sell these houses as a portfolio and just invest, you know, it's like, there's a lot of different strategies, definitely mm -hmm. for people to get involved. So what do you yeah. think about the timing issue? Because, you know, people are talking, it could be a little bit of a timing issue because now everybody say we're almost at the top of the market economically and everybody's waiting for this, you know, shift. So yeah. what do you think for people who are brand new, you know, from active standpoint and from a passive standpoint, is it a good time and place for them to go and invest? Yeah, it's good. So let's take that. Let's kind of divide that up, as you said, active and passive. So for those looking to, you know, newbies getting started on the active side, I'm going to do my own syndication, so to speak. I think there's been a lot of luck that's come into play in the last five to 10 years because the markets have just been up and up and up, you know, in real estate and interest rates have come down, down, down. So that's forcing more equity. So it, it was, it was somewhat easy uh, to make a deal work in the last five to 10 years. Uh, I, I got to see it firsthand. Some of the first syndications I invested in, the sponsors completely butchered up the business plan. They could not execute on what they thought they could. But at the end of the day, the deal came through because the market had lifted it. They were able to sell with some equity and we were all profitable. Well, that's great, except that doesn't work in a downturn, right? And so you got to be, it, it, it's, it's all about vetting the team. It's about finding a competent team with a track record who's done it before, who's got enough connections to, you know, make do with that kind of situation, you know, putting longer term debt on a shorter term business plan as an example having adequate cash reserves, you know, that kind of buying a cap for interest rates or locking in a long-term low interest rate. I mean, there's a lot of key components to it, but that all comes down to the general partners. That comes down to the sponsors being able to pull that off. And then you and I, you know, the passive investor needs to be able to, to, to read through that pro forma, that perspective and figure out, you know, whether or not they're doing these things or not, or ask those difficult questions uh, that you have, you know, what about a recession? What about a, a sensitivity test or a stress test? You know, do they even uh, do that? What, what that means for those listening that don't know that a stress test or a sensitivity test will show you what if interest rates went from three to six? What if occupancy went from 95 to 65? What does that mean for the returns to the investors? And it's great to have that kind of data to work with. Um, now, just from a passive investor standpoint, looking forward and saying, okay, I'm investing today and we may be going into a recession. The last three to four years, I've been hyper-focused on recession-resistant asset classes. So that's why right now I'm not in the stock market at all. I've got nothing in there. Uh, and I'm looking at B and C class, older units built in the 80s and 90s mostly in multifamily. Uh, because at the end of the day, that's affordable housing. I mean, we're talking about rents at 800 a month, 900 a month, 1000 bucks a month. That's kind of a middle affordability, 
Okay, I'm not investing in brand new development and $3,000 a month penthouse suites and downtown whatever. Um, just kind of middle America stuff. Uh, in addition, I mean, I, you know, self-storage, uh, ATM machine investing. There's a lot of different, um, I don't want to call it counter cyclical, but recession resistance, probably the best term to coin, um, you know, asset classes. So you look back at 2008, 2009, what happened in the single family world? A lot of people lost their homes and investment properties. What happened in the multifamily world? A lot less default. Um, you know, and you've got some diversification. You got 300, 400 units. You know, it's easier to work those kind of occupancy numbers than just one tenant in one house. They move out and now you're underwater. That's pretty risky. Uh, in addition, you know, the, the, the value of a multifamily or an apartment complex is based primarily off the net operating income. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways to generate income on a larger property, uh, not just through rent. On a single family home, the valuation's based around the comps. So what did your neighbor's house sell for? That's pretty much the value of your house, you know, at the end of the day. So if that neighbor and that neighbor and that neighbor have a foreclosure, guess what? You're going to lose some money if you're going to sell. And so it's, it's kind of tougher to, to hold on in the single family space. Uh, in my opinion, it's a lot less uh, risky in the multifamily space. And that was another big deciding reason to shift over. In 2015, I was thinking we'd have a correction and by 2016. So obviously I've been wrong, but I've still been in those asset classes and been doing well so far. Great, phenomenal. I love that you explain it in this very simple way of why people, again, the difference in investing passively and actively. And it's, it's always you know, like, if you know what you're doing in real estate space, it's always a good time to invest. Like, you know, or invest with somebody, you know, actively, passively. But, you know, what about, because uh, you mentioned some deals, like I checked, you know, the background of you, you know, we're going to mention some numbers, which are insane. They're, they're crazy. Maybe you can talk some of your, you know, investment criteria, you know, and the deals that you're looking at at the current moment and yeah. why these states. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, so here's, here's what I do personally as a limited partner. I'll do kind of a macro level uh, rundown, right? I'm, I'm gonna look at kind of the United States as a whole. I'm gonna look at the Fed and the interest rates. I'm gonna look at where are people moving to and why. For example, a lot of people are leaving New York and New Jersey high tax states to come down to Florida. In addition to baby boomers retiring, wanting a warm climate, more affordable housing. A lot of people are leaving California, same reasons, high tax, right? And they're coming to a warmer climate. They're moving to, to Dallas. They're moving to Texas in general. So, you know, I'm kind of taking that data and saying, okay, so we got a lot of, uh, you know, companies relocating there as well. We've got some good job diversification, right? And then we have a lot of migration trend, you know, headed that way. A lot of people in every demographic and, you know, every age group are, uh, looking to rent a little bit more than maybe historically, right? Some of that's affordability and some of that's just, I don't want the hassle of it. Uh, I'm an example of this, you know, I, I mean, you hear all the time or you read that millennials are choosing to rent out of lifestyle. It's true. You know, I mean, we, we choose to, my wife and I travel a lot. We move pretty frequently and we just like the flexibility, you know? So we're kind of the, the A-class renters, if you will, but, but by lifestyle choice. I've owned plenty of homes, but at the end of the day, we, we just choose this. And a lot of baby boomers just don't want to deal with replacing the roof and the hot water tanks and the HVAC and, and all the hassles and headaches that can go along with home ownership. Plus, 
a lot of them have larger homes anyway. They don't need, you know, it's just them or maybe it's a couple in, in a four or five bedroom house. It's just not necessary. So uh, I'm very bullish in general on just apartments and, you know, making a true win-win when we go in to do a value add, adding the amenities that are necessary for the property, adding, you know, dog parks and, you know, the, the package locker systems and uh, expanding the gyms and putting new equipment. I mean, you want this to be a good community, you know, for, for your renters. Um, so, so anyway, so I do kind of that macro level and then I let the, the sponsors themselves fill me in on the very specifics of the sub market in which they're doing a deal. I can't study every sub market, you know? Yeah. So if I like Texas, cool. I'll look for a group doing a deal in Texas. They're going to fill me in on why Irving, Texas, you know, why Holtham city, why Carrollton? I don't know all those sub markets, but I get to learn that through looking at the overviews, checking out the school systems, looking at comps, all that kind of stuff and looking at the jobs in that specific, you know, five, 10 mile radius. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. Okay. So I, I, again, and you're buying you, what you're buying is value add properties. You're not buying the brand new A class type of deals, right? All of those are value add properties. That's right. And that's more of, I mean, it has a lot to do with real estate, but that even goes outside real estate. I'm just a believer in buying something to fix up and make it more valuable and then selling it. Yeah. I mean, I've always done that with, with all kinds of examples, but just use like a car, for example, I'd rather buy a $5,000 car and put a thousand bucks into it and sell it for 10. You know, that makes more sense than buying a hundred thousand dollar car and having it depreciate down to zero. I just, I don't see as much value in that business model. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I think it's not even that. I, again, what you're saying is so true. I, I definitely agree. I think, you know, what's going to happen because again, when people renting a class brand new built apartments you know which is let's say two and a half three thousand like per month and you get this b or c type of class apartment which is half of the price probably what's going to happen in a recession like some of the people like there's going to be a big percentage of these people they're going to move out and they're going to mm -hmm. rent in a b and c type of properties right that's exactly so, what happens that that's yeah. that's facts <laughs> that's not that's even fact. an opinion that's what happens yeah, yeah, there's like, like Houston and Texas is known for like hospitals. So, th so there's a lot of high paying, you know, jobs over there. So, you know, those people are going to, you know, start moving. So yep. can you talk about one thing? Cause you mentioned this on common topics, uh, you know, in, in the bio, you mentioned about the fire movement, which is a very interesting thing. I never heard about that before. So maybe you can expand on that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So the fire movement, F-I-R-E stands for financial independence, retire early. Um, it's not a huge movement, but it's definitely an expanding and a growing movement. I didn't even know what this was till a couple of years ago, but I've always taken part in the overall philosophy of what this is all about. So basically what it is, is I'll break it down, I guess, into, into three steps. So it's make as much income as you can make based on your highest and best, right? Some people are doctor, dentist, lawyer, attorney, whatever. Others like myself didn't have a specialized skill set, So I went to go work in the oil field. That was just the highest paying gig that I could get. So what it is, is you're, you're making as much money as you can through side hustles and through high paying gigs. And then you're saving as much money as you possibly can, but just for a short amount of time in your life, so living well below your means, a common savings rate would be 50% of your salary. I was slightly higher than that. Whoa. And then you're taking that difference. So say you make 100,000, you're living on you know, 50, you're taking that remaining 50, you're putting that into investments 
Uh, I would say that produce cash flow. That's not everybody's take on it. But uh, as you build up that passive income quicker than most who have a savings rate of say two or 3%, that's kind of the national average, uh, you actually get to a point of financial independence way sooner than you otherwise would on the traditional path of going out and taking on student loan debt and buying a new car and taking on debt and then buying a house and taking on debt. And it's just debt, 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 you know, and that puts you kind of more on a, on a, on a treadmill of, you know, retiring in your sixties or your seventies versus retiring in your thirties or forties and sometimes fifties. Um, so it's just an accelerated way to gain financial independence. And for those just to clarify that term financial independence, it's when you have more passive income that you don't have to work for uh, that exceeds your lifestyle expenses, right? So yeah, when you have 50,000 passive income, but you're living on 40, you're financially free, uh, financially independent in any way. And what that meant, like I said earlier in the interview to me was just the flexibility and the freedom to be able to choose what I wanted to do with my time. I didn't like the oil field. It was tough work away from home and 100-hour work week. So I, I first went to go work for a brokerage firm to learn stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. I just wanted to get a better grasp of how that whole industry worked. Once Then I had the freedom to leave that job. I didn't have to worry about, oh, how am I going to pay my rent or my mortgage? I, I just left. And then I went to go work for you know syndication groups so I could learn underwriting and acquisition and, and from the inside of, of an active group. And that led me to... Uh, working with uh, Ashcroft Capital, who I've been investing with about four years now. I'm in nine of their deals. I just love everything about their team. And so I have the privilege now to go around and do live events. Like we we're just talking about best ever conference and mingling with folks in the industry, self-educating myself and sharing what I do with others. To me, that's like, it's the biggest win-win that there is. And that all started from a point of financial independence, which was achieved through real estate. Yeah, it's it's so true. I love I love just the two ver uh, two words that you mentioned, early retirement, because again, people that are watching right now, maybe they're in twenties or thirties, and they're like, whoa, like just just got chocolate, but like it doesn't even exist like this type of like early retirement. What is that? Because everybody used to you know like people seeing getting retired when they go to the pension, when they receive yeah. like sixties, and that that's what their retirement sounds like. Yeah, it's very doable because. <clears throat> Like I see in the video, remember of this guy who basically similar situation as you, he got uh, 10 houses. He put it mm -hmm. at the, uh, as a portfolio, sold them for 400K, invested mm -hmm. in, into a deal, which paid him like eight to 10% a year passively. Mm -hmm. And then right. it was a three X multiple on the money. So basically he sold like in three and four years. So he basically yeah. instantly became a millionaire. So of yeah. course he 1031 that's into another deal. But I mean, you, you received, like you became a millionaire, like in three right. years, it's, it's like, it's not doable. And like, you know, if you don't have a high paying skills, it's very hard. Unfortunately, you know, this whole thing comes purely out of self-education. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of folks aren't tuned into the self-education space. And so when you take the traditional path, you think about it, all the financial products out there are structured to have you retire in your 60s, right? Like you can't touch an IRA or 401k until 59 and a half without taking on a penalty, you know? Pensions don't kick in till an older age. You know, all the social security, you can't get till 62 or 65, whatever it is. So if, if you're following that traditional path and you're putting money in, in stuff you'll never be able to touch until then, 
it's highly unlikely you're going to be able to retire early. So you kind of have to go against the grain. I, for example, I had a Roth, I had a 401k, I had all these things. I, I maxed them all out. I, I withdrew everything. I canceled all those accounts. I went into just my own LLCs and my own investments, you know, privately. And that is what allowed me to gain that momentum up front, not later. I'm not deferring it till my 60s. I have it now. And that's a big difference. But again, that's all self-education. So it's very possible. I know it may seem like a total foreign concept to a lot of folks or think, you know, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. But you really can. It just takes that focus on, on cash flow and, you know, making private investments and not dumping everything into stuff you can't touch till your 60s. Got it. Got it. Okay. So like what you're putting out is awesome. I love, I love all the advice that you're giving. And for some people who are watching this, they're probably like, Hey guys, you just pitching me all this passive income, you know, like you missed passively. What about me? I want to invest and be active into that's fine. Okay. So this is going to be question uh, that's going to be directed to you. If you want to be active, like for the people who are starting out, like, I get this question all the time. Like, should I go and get the mentor, you know, before I go and get involved into the business? What, what's your advice for people on that? I'd say if you're going to go on the active side, uh, especially collecting money from other people, like in a syndication world, absolutely. I mean, you've got to get some form of mentor or training or someone looking over your shoulder or partner up with someone that has experience. You've got to do something like that. It's irresponsible not to. Um, as a limited partner, not really. I don't think you really need a mentor per se. I think you do need some education. Uh, it'd be great to have a mentor, but you know, you kind of got to watch the cost, you know, and versus reward around that. I think there's plenty of great books and podcasts and events and seminars. You can do a lot of different things kind of more on the cheap to kind of learn how this works. And then you start making your own decisions after that. But yeah, certainly on the active, it's more of a job than people realize, I know the money looks good on paper, but you know, syndication's no joke. It's it, it's far harder than just doing a fix and flip or or a vacation rental or something like that in a single family space. Oh yeah, you have to take it very serious. I mean, when you when you like when you're buying single family homes and that's your money, that's your responsibility. You're sleeping like you know that you put a down payment of your own money or whatever. You if you raised you know whatever the situation, that's different. When you're handling millions of dollars of somebody else's money, that's completely different type of responsibility we're talking about here. So you have to be very serious. And again, there's a lot of moving pieces. So yeah, education, like. Super important. So again, for the people who are listening and maybe again, cause they've seen some six figure, you know, mentorships that are out there and maybe, you know, some people who are watching, maybe they're in twenties. They're like, I don't have six figures now to pay for the mentorship, but maybe Travis can recommend me three business or non-business books about real estate or just personal development that I can go and grab from Amazon. Okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, specific to, to syndications, whether you want to be active or passive, uh, Joe Fairless just recently put out a really great book, uh, the best ever apartment syndication book. Oh my God, you have it there. It is. <laughs> Joe and Theo made that. There you go. That's a great one. Um, gosh, there's a, there's some Tony Robbins books that are just, you know, all around mindset and self-development, uh, awaken the giant within was a life-changing one for me, uh, unleash the power within, that's another great Tony Robbins one. So that kind of gets you, he's not really a motivational speaker, but he shows you how to kind of circumvent your, your brain, right? To, to yeah. set these goals and to, to get right to the point and not 
butcher around for five, six years trying to get there. Uh, those are two really great books. And then one that changed my life in, in kind of a weird way, a lot of people tune out on taxes. It's, it's kind of a boring topic. You leave it to your CPA. You don't really think about it. I never got into the business thinking about taxes, but I come to realize that real estate is so much about taxes. Um, and so Tom Wheelwright's book, Tax-Free Wealth, has saved me tens of thousands of dollars, you know, at, at least uh, over the course of, what, a decade or so. I read that pretty early on. And that's so eye-opening. He helps you just find the legal ways to, to offset and reduce your taxable income, which is like a direct return on investment, right? You can either go out there and make $5,000 or you can just save the $5,000. It's the same end result. And so that was a really big eye-opener and a great book too to check out. Got it. And I think Tom Wheelwright is part of a Rich Dad Poor Dad company. He so. is the yeah. personal tax advisor for Robert Kiyosaki yeah. of the Rich Dad and, and Company. He's, he's worth millions, I think, hundred millions of dollars. So he, if he has this man next to him, that that's probably one one of the must reads as well. You know, for you guys. So yeah. again, you know, just talking about the mindset thing, and again, having twenty twenty kind of a fresh year. You know, it's like you coming back from the best ever conference, which probably you know like you impacted so many people in a great way, but coming back to your business again, this is, I mentioned you guys, so I'm going to mention for you some crazy statistics here. Having currently 8,997 units under management, which are worth $900 million, uh, crazy numbers. So can you t tell people some business goals that you're planning to accomplish this year? Yeah. Is this through, through Ashcroft capital? Is that yeah. what we're getting yeah. at? Yeah. Yeah, so Ashcroft's about to cross the billion dollar assets under management. They're a very credible player out there in the space, as you said, 9,000 units. Um, so some things that I really appreciate about their team, they're very conservative and underwriting. And I think that that's something everyone should be looking for. I, I get pitched a lot of deals. I'm on like everybody's email list. And so I get to see a lot of very aggressive underwriting of, you know, we're going to take out this 12 month temporary bridge loan at 12%. We're going to try to flip this property. That stuff is really scary, you know, or we're going to raise rents 300 a month over the next 12 months. You know, you're going to lose a lot of tenants and your occupancy is going to take a huge nosedive. So, uh, you know, they're a group that does monthly distributions, monthly reporting, very transparent company. Uh, like you said, they usually have new deals every two to three months. And that's because of their broker connections, right? They're being shown deals out in Dallas, Fort Worth and Tampa, Jacksonville, Orlando, Florida, just because of their reputation and their track record, right? Brokers aren't, they don't want to mess around. There's a lot of new people in the space uh, who will take something under contract above asking, and then they can't raise the funds. And then a month later, the deal falls through and everybody's hurt by that. And it's a big setback. No one wants that. Yeah. So you know, it's great to partner up with groups with that kind of, you know, track record and, and, and transparency out there in the industry. So we're just out to help, you know, accredited investors find solid investment opportunities in, in the B class space, 200 to 600 units, Dallas, Fort Worth and up and down Florida, um, you know, that, that makes sense, you know, for you. And, and you know, my standpoint is, is a cash flow investor. Uh, that's why I look for monthly distributions and, you know, you get to also participate in any potential equity on the backside when you sell. And, you know, a lot of those projections that they have on their deals are, are double digit returns, you know? So to me, 
it just, it, it beats the hell out of the stock market for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, it, it's, I think Robert Kiyosaki coined this, but it's like, as your education goes up, your risk goes down. And, you know, I see that firsthand all the time. The more you study this stuff and back test it and network with folks that have been doing this, and you can see these 30, 40, 50 year track records. It, um, it's a great asset class to be in, in my opinion. Definitely, definitely. Couldn't agree more. So again, for the people who are watching this interview, and if you're interested into finding more you know, information about Travis and Ashcroft Capital, maybe Travis, you can give a few more links where people go and you know, get in contact with you about you know, passive or you know, investing. Yeah, a couple things. Email is always the best. I'm always traveling and on the go. So my email is travis at ashcroftcapital.com. I also have a free uh, passive investor guide. So a lot of things that we talked about here on this interview, how to vet a sponsor, how to vet a market, common terminology, how do you get started, planning your goals, all kinds of stuff. It's like a 20 pager, uh, absolutely free. You can get that at ashcroftcapital.com forward slash passive investor. And, uh, you know, reach out on any topic, you guys, it's not all just about syndication stuff. I'm happy to help and be a resource for anybody I can. I'm on Bigger Pockets. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. So happy to connect and, and discuss however I can help you. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. You know, I can definitely feel, feel it that you're a go-giver and I love that, you know, uh, and again, guys, if you're looking to invest, I definitely like when... When I talk with somebody, when, I, you, you, when we go through all the questions and like one of the questions is like, if you're looking to invest passively, like you have to make sure that the company is credible, like they're established in the marketplace, been for a long time. And I mean, having this type of track record here, I mean, it's no brainer. It's just a, like getting more education about why you should invest, why it's better than the stock market. Why is it better than, you know, investing in single family homes and the way to protect and grow your wealth? You just lacks, you know, the information to make, to pull that, you know, uh, to, to pull that, you know, action to, to make it happen. So I'm going to put all the resources for the education for you guys down below. You can go and check it out, get educated and just go in contact with Travis, you know, about investing. It's been a phenomenal show, you know, I really appreciate you, you know, giving here all this content, all this knowledge and just, you know, I wish you reached this, you know, 1 billion, which I know it's going to happen this year and go beyond this year as well. You know, I really appreciate the time and effort, Travis. And uh, yeah, so it's been a pleasure. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank Thanks you, guys. So, again, if you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Click like, subscribe to the channel. Again, contact Travis for, you know, information. If you have any questions, go on, you know, follow up with him. I really appreciate you watching this episode, and I'm going to see you next time. Thanks.